Hey, y'all. This is Stephanie Rada, your host of the podcast, The Not-So-Empty Nest. Today, it's our ninth episode of our first season and the first time for us to have a podcast in 2022. I'm late. Uh, I couldn't help but laugh that this very first uh, week where I had all these wonderful plans about how everything was going to be in order and everything went out of order. <laughs> oh, kind of reminds me of the name of our podcast, The Not So Empty Nest. You see, I had everything arranged. I had trips planned. I had recordings planned. I had writings planned. I had everything planned to start this new year off just like I wanted to. And one of my young adult children came down with COVID. She's okay, but we immediately went and got her young baby. So we had the baby then and have had him now for, um, well, not quite two weeks, but we will have him like two weeks soon. And uh, then guess what? New Year's Day, the baby tested positive for COVID. He is okay. We're already on the other side of it, but it, it rearranged everything. I, I'm going to be honest with y'all, it, it, I felt discombobulated, <laughs> that's my favorite word, because it so often describes me and the situations I find myself in, and all these things, um, like I said, there were trips that got stopped, um, things that couldn't be reimbursed, things that couldn't be adjusted, that had to be canceled. People I had not seen in a long time and was really looking forward to seeing. And then I found myself getting behind on everything, like this podcast. Because, you know, a seven-month-old baby with COVID, guess what takes priority? That seven-month-old baby with COVID. And I know y'all can understand that. But it really seemed to just be so perfect for this to happen at the beginning of this brand new year and this podcast. That is what the name of this podcast is all about. The Not-So-Empty Nest. After raising seven, adopting and then raising seven children, my life was so full and wonderfully full and rotated around those seven kids. And as they began to grow up and leave, you know, I heard everyone talking about the empty nest, empty nest syndrome, the empty nest blues, empty nest. Well, in my case, it's a not so empty nest. <laughs> I'm still um, involved. Well, we still have two teenagers at home, naturally, um, 17 and 18. Uh, that are finishing up school, so we're still raising them and homeschooling them. And then grandbabies have started to arrive, and some of them have um, needed to be a bigger part of our lives, and just like with this situation, they are a priority. And so I hope y'all will forgive me for being uh, late, but I think that probably a bunch of y'all can say to me, like I often say to you, you are not alone <laughs> because many of you understand um, 
trying to make the plans and trying to start things fresh and have things in order only for everything to be unordered all of a sudden. So I'm really excited today and uh, to finish this tale of these two women who had very different plans for the same baby boy. Okay, so we were in 2 Kings chapter 11. I'm going to let you get turned there. And then before we get into that story, I want to talk a little bit about a story of my own. When we believe that we have heard from God and we think that we have heard clearly and, and we're, we're putting our, you know, faith out there and we're making a claim and we are uh, determined to keep our spirits up and, and believe and trust in God and we've got all our scriptures down and we've got all of our um, quotes down and we've got all our prayer buddies praying and I'm not saying any of that flippantly. Uh, those are all wonderful things to do. But then when it doesn't happen... Um, or there is a great long delay when, and during that time, we don't know if it's going to happen. It can be so, so discouraging. So when Henry and I, before we ever became foster parents and we had been married, uh, a good long time by that time, probably about eight years, I think I'd have to look back and see 11, maybe years, um, one week, just like last week, preparing for a new year, and I had a new Bible. I got another one this year. I was reading about some of my favorite characters in the Bible, and you won't be surprised to know that it was the women who also faced infertility. And of course, I always wanted to focus on the fact that God gave them a child, and I wanted a child. And so I remember calling my mom with tears, and I said, Uh, Mom, I have heard from the Lord. I was reading these scriptures, and it said that that the lady was told that she would, this time next year, she would have a son in her arms. And my mom, bless her, she didn't say, well, don't get your hopes up, or, you know, um, maybe that, you know, isn't the right time. She just she just agreed with me, and she made me this baby blanket. I was not pregnant. I was not expecting, but I was believing, and she attached a scripture to it that said, you know, a faith scripture, one of those that really you hold on to and cling with everything you've got when you're really desperate, and so that was like right at the beginning of January, and just like this, and um, the year was 1994. And so uh, the year came and went, and I did not get pregnant. And I remember feeling so foolish and not questioning God. No, not questioning His faithfulness or His ability to do what He promised, but questioning myself and my ability to hear from God. Have you have you ever felt like that? Well, the story at that time, if that had been the end of the story, it 
would have been kind of like a story of failure or, you know, certainly not of faith because I did not see the answer to that prayer or that moment of faith, that word, that promise I thought I had taken hold of. Okay, now I'm going to finish telling you about that in a few minutes, what happened um, in that year. So right now, though, I'm going to pause and we're going to go to Second Kings chapter 11 and look at that together. Okay, hold on just one moment. Okay, we're ready now to get back to the Bible story that we began last week. And if you didn't have a chance to listen to that, you might want to stop this one and go back and hear that uh, so that you kind of get the beginning of the story. I'm going to give you a very brief um, review. So we're in 2 Kings chapter 11. We're talking about a queen mother named Athaliah, uh, who was, in fact, the daughter of King Ahab and Queen Jezebel, and she was very much like her mother, possibly even more evil. Her son uh, was the king, and he was killed. And when he was killed, she took action to preserve her place and her position. See, as queen mother, she had a position of influence, and she would sit right there by the king, and she had power and influence that way. And she did not want to lose that. And if anybody else took the throne, then she would. So she took had a plan, and it says in the scriptures that she sent out assassins and killed all the royal seed. Now, the, that is so alarming, and that's so awful, but what really is alarming, even more so, is the fact that these were her grandchildren, many of these people, children that she was having assassinated. She, she was willing to uh, assassinate her own future for her moment of position and power. Very, very um, sad and alarming and horrible. So it says in the scriptures, and that's what I want to look, with, look at with you, that she she took the throne because there was no one else to take the throne. She had everyone killed. But there's another another scripture that I want y'all to look at in um, verse 2 of this chapter 11. And it says, Only Ahaziah's son Joash escaped. Now, it's no, we need to note here, she didn't realize that, okay? So, what we're thinking about here is things that God has going on behind the scenes that we cannot see with at the present moment. And when it, when the promises of God seem to be not coming to fruition and we begin to doubt whether we've heard from God or whether we can count on him or on our own selves, things are always being done behind the scene that we're not aware of. It says that his aunt, which would have been the king's sister and the queen mother's stepdaughter, Jehosheba, she took Joash, this little baby. Now, we don't know exactly how old he was, but most people think he was an infant, like the baby I was taking care of this week. And so she, they said they took her and they took the child's nurse and they hid them. 
Now that's all exciting and oh yay, all of the king's, you know, uh, lineage is not dead. But the thing that will catch your attention is how long they hid him. For six years, it says in verse 3, for six years, Jehosheba took care of the boy and kept him hidden in the temple while Athaliah ruled as queen. Now to everyone, indeed to Athaliah herself, there was no one to sit on that throne except her. She was an imposter uh, on the throne. She had no right to be there. She was not of the right lineage. She just usurped it. And to everybody, I cannot imagine how discouraged the people would have been. I mean, what choice did they have? They had no one left in the royal line and lineage, the seed of David. If you may remember that David was the king that God promised that the Messiah would come from his lineage. And you see, this wasn't just about one evil queen mother or about one little boy or about who got to sit on the throne. This was about the future. This was about the conclusion of a promise that God had made. And and this woman, Jehosheba, was brave and courageous enough to intervene with the enemy's plans. Now, there's this great story. I hope you'll read all of chapter 11 because I'm, I'm not going to be able to cover every little bit of it. But I want to give you just a summary. When the child, in the seventh year, it says, Jehoiada, so we're assuming this child was about seven. Jehoiada was the priest, God's priest. And Yahweh's priest. And he was also the husband of Jehosheba. And so they came up with the plan and it was time to bring the real king out. It is this very dramatic, uh, violent, um, (laughs) strategic move where they are taking back the throne for the rightful king. And he tells them all how to do it. There's a strategy. There's a plan in place. And so when they got their plan developed and they brought this little boy out and they presented him as the true king and and the people then got to see that the lineage was not dead. There was a real bloodline king to be on the throne and they surrounded him and they protected him and they fought for him and the false queen the imposter former queen mother she began to declare treason treason she's the one who was on the throne wrongly not this little boy but i want to tell you something when you stand up for what is right don't expect everybody to appreciate it. Don't expect that there won't be people who criticize what you've done, who complain, who protest that what you're doing is not fair or not right. That doesn't mean that you should not proceed with doing what you know is the right thing to do. So this little boy then becomes the king. After being hidden, stolen away, while these assassins are killing all these children and all the anybody, any royal seed, 
at the hand of and the orders of the grandmother, the queen mother, and and one little boy is saved, and that one little boy made a difference. It's a wonderful story, and I hope that it will encourage you to know that God has things going on behind the scene that you are not aware of. It may have been a long time since you got that promise, whatever it is. The promise of a husband, the promise of a uh, healing, the promise of a child. And so let's get back to my story. So I, you know I told you that I had gotten this promise, and the year was 1994, and I did not get pregnant. And my faith was shaken. And we had not become foster parents yet. We had not adopted yet. So I couldn't see any of that, right? And so years later, we did become, and I folded that little blanket my mama made me, and I put it away with the scripture attached about faith. And so we, years later, did become foster parents. Actually, the very next year, in 1995, we we became foster parents. And we began to care for children, and we began to have placements. And I've got so many beautiful tales that I'll share with y'all along the way. But it was several years before we had uh, adopted one of our sons, and we were in the process of adopting a second son, when we agreed to have one of the birth siblings to the second son we were adopting come and visit us. And while he was there, he fell in love with us, and we fell in love with him. It was the quickest adoption we ever did. He, we, It was everything wrong. Uh, it was everything. What I mean is we broke all the rules. He was going to become the oldest child. That was going to mess up what they considered birth order, even in an adoptive family. Um, he had... He had had a hard time of it, and he was bringing a lot of emotional luggage with him. But anyway, he became our son. We adopted him. So then we were, we had three sons at that time and surely thought we were done, but, well, God had other plans. But what I want to tell you is that one day he came home from school to me, and he was, he was eight years old when he came. And uh, he said, Mom, he said, why does God love my other other brothers, the ones we had adopted, more than me. And I said, oh, no. No, God does not love them more than you. And he said, but, I, you know, why didn't I get to come when I was a baby? Because both of our sons that we adopted, one had come at two weeks and one at two months old. And it bothered me, and I began to do some research. And I created a timeline of his life and my life, our life, And I said, you know, I don't know, son, why there was a delay. But I know that God brought us together now, and that's what counts. And as I was making this timeline, because I wanted to illustrate to him that all the things of his life and all the things of our life had caused us to meet together at this point. And it was then that I realized that he had been born (laughs) that year. That year, 1994, he was the promised son. Now, I did not hold him in my arms that year. I did not even meet him for several years, and we did not even have him in our home until he was eight years old. And then we adopted him, and he became our forever son. 
But I'll never forget that wonderful revelation that God was working behind the scenes the whole time. And his promises were not empty. And my ability to hear from him was not faulty. And although we were not yet aware of what was going on, and it would be eight years later before he came into our life, indeed, our son was born that year, just like God promised. Now, I know we need to close, and I hope that this has brought you some encouragement today, because I know what it is to wait. I know right now what it is to wait for something we're just sure that God is going to do. But I hope that this has reminded you, as it has reminded me, that God is working behind the scenes. And just because we can't see it yet, does not mean that He is not orchestrating and working out the details to be faithful to His promises. So I hope today, at some point, you have been able to say, yeah, me too. And that you do realize that you are not alone. And next week, we're going to talk about another great story. And I hope you'll join me. And hopefully, I won't be late. (laughs) But this is the Not So Empty Nest. Love y'all. Bye.